Why did you go there? I told you. It was not safe. Do you know these people? The man, he is her son. He helps. The woman, she practices the old ways. She's a bruja. They don't believe they can let you go. They have seen something inside you. A demon. what you see now. This is insane. This isn't you. It's what's inside you. There is no demon, Christina. My name is Christina Lopez. I came to this place to die. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. I'm Mike, and joining me, as always, it's Mr. Venom. What's up, Venom? How are you doing today? Bienvenidos, brujas y brujos. And for the uninitiated, of course, that is greetings and salutations, witches and warlocks. I'm doing pretty well, Mike. How you doing? Well, I assumed I knew, like, at least one sentence, because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he's probably saying the one thing he says all the time but then there was like more to it so thank you for the translation (laughs) uh joining us as always as well it's don and ellie what's up don how are you yeah what's going on everyone yeah great to be here as always okay well i guess uh we'll get right to it today we are back to covering vod we're kind of have a week off from theatrical releases which we've been covering a lot lately so we were looking around and we settled on the old ways which is currently streaming on netflix um right off the bat before we even get into anything i'll just say the box art is really cool <laughs> like actually yes. if for no other <laughs> yeah if for no other reason i mean i know that's we didn't pick it based on that but when i actually kind of looked it up i was like wow I like that art. And if we would, <laughs> weren't already doing it for Fresh Cuts, I would have seen that and been like, okay, I want to check it out anyway. <laughs> um, okay, and let's see our synopsis. Christina, a journalist of Mexican origin, travels to her ancestral home in Veracruz to investigate a story of sorcery and healing. Uh, I, I'll... Uh, there because that sounds kind of more like setup rather than the plot yeah yeah, i yeah that's more of a setup last sentence is kind of too much yeah that last uh, sentence doesn't make sense at all yeah that's more of a uh, setup to what's going on rather than it's funny because there seems there actually seems to be a lot of confusion about this movie because after i watched it i i watched a couple of reviews and people were calling the two girls sisters and i'm like did we watch the same movie they're not sisters. That she says they're cousins. Yeah, that's, I got. Yeah, I mean, she says my cousin Miranda lives in the village. Yet, I, I multiple reviewers have said sisters. So we won't make that mistake here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's cleared up. So 
With that said, let's go get to our general thoughts, starting with Venom. What did you think of the old ways? All right. Um, I need to caveat this review first. For I'm sure many people know already, For but for those who do not know, demonic possession is my favorite subgenre of horror. Uh, the Exorcist is my favorite film of all time, and uh, so I'm going to be especially hard on this film, so please take my comments with a grain of salt. Realize that they're coming from someone who absolutely adores this subgenre. Okay, uh, first and foremost, um, one of the nice things I like about Netflix releases is that sometimes they'll actually put them out in 4K, and this movie is one of those, so if you have... Uh, 4k equipment and have a 4k netflix account which unfortunately it does actually cost extra one of the only streaming apps that does that but whatever um so if you actually have a 4k and the account man this movie is gorgeous the establishing shots in the jungle uh just look stunning i mean because um i i, I am in uh, a software engineer for direct tv and a lot of times i'll uh, test our equipment by watching like 8K, uh, you know, nature videos and things like that. And yeah, the old ways just looked amazing, comparable to stuff that I've seen in 8K. Um, and there is a nice little cold open. It's a quickie. It's a short one, but it gives you a quick little taste of what you're in for. Uh, very reminiscent of the Evil Dead 2013 cold open, if anybody remembers that. Um, but not done nearly as well as Evil Dead did it. So, um, unfortunately, that might be the majority of the positive things I have to say about this movie. Um, first and foremost, this movie is a demonic possession movie with the least amount of exorcism I think I've ever seen. Uh, the exorcism scene in this film runs all of about two and a half minutes. And uh, obviously, when we get into the spoiler section, we'll talk about, you know, some of the stuff they did during that and kind of why it was so short. But, yeah, a little disappointing when we have when we set up this woman who is known as a bruja in uh, Veracruz, the movie takes place in Veracruz, Mexico. Um, this woman, Luz, actually introduces herself as a bruja, or someone introduces her as a bruja, which, of course, is a witch. And she claims that, you know, our main uh, character, Christina, is possessed by a demon. P Christina, obviously, feels fine, doesn't think that she's possessed, thinks that it's just crazy you know, um, ba ass backwards, uh, jungle people who are just making decisions on her based on the fact that she's an outsider or whatever. Um, but man, the tone of this movie is all over the place. Like that was one of the biggest complaints I'm going to have about this movie is that just when they seem to build up a little bit of tension, they kill it by having a complete tonal change. Like, you know, there'll be a supernatural scene happening with a very obvious jump scare in it. And then the very next scene will be like a happy-go-lucky reminiscing scene between the two cousins or whatever. And, and then something happens, I don't know, I'd say about an hour in the movie that really changes the tone of the film which you know again we'll get into we'll kind of get into that in the spoiler section and then the last big tonal change is during said exorcism that i'm talking about the the incredibly fast exorcism it's like um you think the movie is over but then the movie kind of it's almost like the movie takes a five minute break and then just starts up again and i think that it, i think that does the movie a disservice sometimes it's nice to get a break in tension but the thing is this movie serves up so little tension that there's not really anything to break up 
Um, nothing in this movie is scary. Like I said, there's, there's a couple of jump scares, but they're very obvious. You, you kind of, you know, veteran horror viewers will probably see them coming. Um, they're not very effective. I mean, there's one maybe that's mildly effective, but for the most part, it's just your classic, you know, big audio sting with a, you know, something happening on screen jump scare. It's not ultra effective. Um, very little atmosphere in this movie for a movie that's set in the jungle. We don't get nearly as many exterior shots as I would have liked to have seen. This movie almost completely takes place in one room at the very least one hut. And with the majority of the film taking place in one room in that hut, um, I'm usually on board for stuff like that. But in this case, they really did very little to kind of push the, the kind of captivity feeling that Christina was feeling. You know what I mean? Like the whole time, I never really felt like she was a prisoner. Like every, everything was so friendly and blah, blah, blah. And then, like I said, halfway through the movie, everything gets even more friendly. And just completely kills any tension that was built up. So um, as far as gore and kills, I mean, we we get like one scene that's mildly gory. It's not really much of anything. We You know, a little bit of a blood splat here and there with something being removed from inside Christina's body. That's about the majority of the gore in this movie. Um, not, I mean, honestly, you know, for what it is, we're not really getting a lot of kills either. I mean, I, I, I don't want to really spoil anything as far as that goes, but I mean, we're not getting nearly the kills or gore that you might expect in this type of movie. It seems like the filmmakers kind of went with a more artistic feel, but usually with artistic films, they're usually really good at building tension. You know, something like St. Maud or Midsommar, they, those movies know how to build tension. This movie, it, it just kind of fails. You know, when, or, or at the very least, whenever it starts to build up a little, it destroys its own tension by having a major tonal shift. So I'm going to say that this is, for me personally, a very underwhelming uh, demonic possession film. It really didn't give me a lot of the stuff that I look for in these types of films. It also really didn't give me much of anything new. Um, they leave the story fairly ambiguous as far as, you know, what exactly is causing all of this. You know, they, they talk about La Boca, which is a cave uh, near the village that, you know, is forbidden for people to go to. Uh, we'll get into a little bit more of the cave in the spoiler section, but we don't really get a whole lot of mythology about the area or the cave. So it's like, I don't know, the, the movie is just incredibly ambiguous and... The ending, I would actually say, is one of the better parts of the film. I actually kind of like the ending. I like where Christina's character goes. I actually called it before it actually happened in the film, uh, but I'm not going to fault the film for that. So let me cut my general thoughts short and just say this is an okay film. I don't know that I would really recommend it to too many people. It's not a foreign film, even though there is some Spanish language in it. It is set in Veracruz, but still solidly a North American horror film. So like I said, I'm going to say middle of the road didn't really offer me as a possession film fan, anything new. And, you know, it's going to be hard for me to recommend to anybody other than hardcore uh, possession, uh, you know, demonic possession film fans. So uh, that's it for general thoughts for me. Okay. Um, let's go over to Don. Uh, what did you think of the old ways? Well, um, I, I gotta say, I'm kind of opposite of Venom in this. I really love this. Uh, I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it, you know, he is right in a sense that this isn't 
it's a typical possession film in that the possession, the exorcism takes place, you know, towards the very end of the film. But I kind of like the rituals that were being shown throughout here. I thought they were kind of unique and they offered a different spin on it. I don't know what he was saying about it not being tense. I found a couple of the scenes really suspenseful and kind of chilling in places. Uh, yeah, um, I, I do. Under, I never really noticed his critique about it being set in one location, but hearing it back, I don't mind it because um, I never really noticed it to begin with. But it, it is true, you know. It, it is a one location bedroom. You could probably have gotten this down even to, you know, if you made the, her captivity space a little bit bigger, you could have even technically set this within the confines of the four walls mm-hmm. and not really done much. Um, but yeah, um, I really liked it. I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, I, I do have one issue and this is one part of the film, the storyline that he, that Venom didn't mention, which I'm kind of glad about because I can finally talk about something that he didn't notice, but (laughs) yeah, um, I'm kind of the opposite. I'm really high on it. Uh, I don't have too many flaws with it. Uh, I really enjoyed it and I thought it was kind of atmospheric and chilling and had a unique take on possession and exorcisms, which uh, yeah, I'm not as high on um, as Venom is, you know, based on his comments, but uh, it's still an of a genre outing that I really enjoy him. Yeah, uh, I'm higher on it than Venom is, so let's uh, just leave it at that. <laughs> okay. And it looks like once again, I'm probably going to split the difference here. I'm probably higher on it than Venom, maybe not as high as Dawn. Um, I thought, you know, the, the first couple acts, really good. The third act kind of went in an interesting direction. I'll, I'll say for now, uh, I, I thought so, one interesting element about this is the idea of like what would happen if um, as an exorcism is being performed or going through all that procedure, like what what is it like when it's happening to like a non-believer, someone who doesn't even believe in anything that's happening mm-hmm. anyway. Um, and I appreciate the fact that they try to tackle it i do think it it kind of makes for a a weird tone to that scene or anything involving around that because it almost kind of maybe I, it might be inadvertent but it kind of breaks the tension for me a little bit um it almost made it unintentionally comedic and i, I mean i can and i know the movie is not trying to be comedic in any way i just kind of felt like i was kind of laughing at parts where you know, she's like, what the hell is going on? And the other girl's like walking her through it almost like, well, this is why they're doing this. And she's like, what, what the, f-? like, um, you know, that's as detailed as I'll go for now. Um, overall, you know, I thought it was okay. I, I, I liked it. Um, but I thought some things held it back from being really great. Um, I, I liked the characters. I, I, I was kind of interested in, you know the rituals and all that but we don't really get much background on it um it was kind of interesting to me what they do with the main character in the third act or i don't even know if it's the entire third act but kind of where what she ends up being at the end um 
but you know, I I, I tend to like exorcism movies despite my own personal beliefs. I I can I can put those aside and still get immersed in them. And I was you know I was on board with kind of the situation that was set up and interested to see where it went. Um, I just had a few issues along the way, but uh, you know it was another movie. It just I think this was just right at like 90 minutes, I believe, which makes it a somewhat quick watch. So I would still recommend people to check it out. Um, I haven't heard a lot of people talk about it, though. Not not many. I think Brian and Jamie watched it. Um, I don't know if they recorded a review on it, though, but I know I saw like Brian's post, I believe. So I haven't heard a lot of people talk about it yet, but... I don't know, we can get into more during spoilers. I would say, you know, like a middle-of-the-road exorcism possession movie to me. Almost exactly what I would say, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, like I said, folks, obviously, I'm I'm the negative Nancy on the show. I will be the one who brings more of, like, you know, the things I didn't like about a film to the table. Um, I don't want to I don't want to make it sound like I think this movie's bad. It's not. I did enjoy it. I mean, I, like I said, I praised it's, you know, more filmmaking aspects, cinematography, editing, things like that. Even the score is really good. But um, I just had too many issues. You know, like I said, I'm very meticulous when I to the point where I get nitpicky with my demonic possession movies like, you know. Um, I compare this to, say, The Cleansing Hour uh, from either last year or the year before. Once again, a demonic possession movie set in one room. But for for my money, I feel like that movie was much more effective as far as, you know, portraying uh, just like the captivity of it all. The I don't know. I just for a movie set in one location, it didn't make me feel like it was set in one location. Uh, if that makes sense. I know it's kind of like when you watch, I don't know, 10 Cloverfield Lane, you know, the the tension in there, it, it feels claustrophobic and obviously stuff like The Descent, but that kind of goes without saying. Whereas this movie, I never got that feeling. I never got that enclosed, trapped feeling. Like even in the scenes where Christine is still adamant that she doesn't believe what's going on, she doesn't really have a sense of desperation to her. You know, we never see her like, you know, we see her once trying to break the chains, but, you know, we don't get the hysterical, frantic yelling or almost like she's reserved to her fate at times, even though she's actively fighting uh, the assessment of the witch. It, it still doesn't seem like she's really fighting for her life. And, and admittedly, there is a revelation later in the film that kind of maybe speaks to that. But I don't know. It just made me feel like Christine as a character was just kind of uninteresting. I also wanted to bring up um, the performances in this film. I love the performances of any of the Spanish speaking actors, but as far as our two main girls, they were all over the place in the spectrum of their acting. Like there would be some line deliveries that I thought were absolutely brilliant. And then literally 10 minutes later, the same character would say something that was so cringeworthy, I wouldn't expect to hear it in a high school uh, theatrical production. You know what I mean? So the acting for me was all over the place. I like Christina as a character. She's a very broken character. You know, it makes her relatable. Um, Maybe not at first, because at first she definitely comes off as like an American snob. But as we learn more about her, 
she becomes a more relatable character, but then she even starts to lose herself as the movie goes along. Once we get into the third act and we start to see uh, the path start getting laid out for where Christina's character arc is going, it, it, it starts to lose Christina, if that makes sense. Like, she almost transforms into someone else. And I, I know that could be, that, that could be something yeah. that a lot of people like in a film. I, I don't know. For some reason, it just didn't work for me. I can't really put my finger on why, but I, I like, I really yeah, want to like, she feels like a different character by the end yeah. of it. That's one of my issues too. She kind of loses all her identity and basically assumes the role of someone else. And, I understand if they were going for like, well, it was, you know, the, the, oh my God, it was her destiny the whole time sure. for this to happen. And I can see if ultimately that's what her character ended up being, but still leave her with being her character in that role instead of like, it's almost like she morphed right into another character for that movie. And I was just, and like, it was so uh, quick too, like her, her attitude changes, like, I mean, literally in one scene, she attacks her captor, and then five minutes later, she's pouring him a glass of milk. It's like, it, it, it's like this movie doesn't know what tone it's going for, you know? And it seems like Christina instantly forgets how poorly she was being treated as, you know, at the beginning of the film when she was first taken in. And she just kind of forgets and forgives and forgets. And it's like, eh that doesn't come off as an American to me. Like if they would have made her a European transplant, it might've come off as more realistic. I'm sorry, folks, but Americans are petty. And if you put me in a cell <laughs> for any amount of time against my will, as soon as I get out, there's going to be repercussions. And, and I'm not going to forgive you five minutes later. I'm absolutely not. So yeah, that that's part of the issues that I had with, uh, you know, the movie. I mean, obviously once we get into spoilers, I'll get into a lot more, yeah, uh, but again, despite the fact that I'm concentrating on negative stuff, please, folks, uh, you know, don't get it twisted. I I did enjoy the film. I, there is absolute merit to it. It should be watched. But like I said, this is my favorite subgenre, and I'm gonna get judgmental. It's just the way I am. So another thing for me, and this is probably just personal uh -huh. preference, or just because of like my own whatever thoughts going into it, or after the first act with with how we get our setup and combined with like the name of the movie being the old ways i really thought that they were going to keep things a little more ambiguous further into the movie and i was like glad like i was on board with like it being one of those movies about like oh do we really know what's going on is it is mm -hmm. it just these people that you know have grown up with these customs and rituals and superstitions. So they're kind of projecting that onto, you know, an outsider per se, and there isn't really anything going on or, or you know, is it the other thing? And it, after the first act, I really thought like they were going to carry that further into the movie. And then once something happened, you know, once it doesn't, I'm like, okay, now it's just going to be more standard stuff. And then, you know, I was a little disappointed in that, um, uh -huh. but that's just my personal you know, take because I get, I guess you can't really fault a movie for doing what they wanted it to do, but it's just for me, 
personally, I was I was like more on board with the idea of like let's keep things ambiguous as long as possible until like you know maybe a third act reveal or something. But sure, that's not how it went. On top of the fact that I would have gotten, I would have liked a lot more of the mythology of like the local area. Like they give us a tiny little piece of what's going on with La Boca, but no explanation, no history, no lore, no nothing. And you know, I as I, I've said it once, and I'll say it a million times. I'm not, I am a fan of ambiguous endings. I, I usually don't have that big a problem with it. Here, I kind of wish they would have gotten a little bit more into it, unless they're setting up a sequel, which, I don't know, you can kind of make the argument that they're setting up a sequel. The um, new ways. Yeah, the new ways. <laughs> I like it. Um, but yeah, um, you know, I, it's just, I feel so attached to this subgenre that I'm going to get, you know, just crazy nitpicky. So I apologize now ahead of time. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I would say that probably covers it for me for general thoughts. Yeah, I don't really have anything that doesn't fall into spoiler territory. Um, uh, bah, 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 I'm looking over my notes. Nah, nah, for the most part. Uh, that's everything. All right. Well, with that, getting into spoilers. Um, so, I don't The, uh... The first one, uh, the friend is explaining. Let's see, what's her name? I'll try to get actual character names. Miranda. Miranda. What's her cousin? Miranda, is it Miranda Flores? That's uh, Flores. Yeah. And, uh, so when she's kind of explaining the rituals and that very, that first initial ritual, because you know she's like, oh, this is the first part or part one or whatever she mm-hmm. refers to it as. When Christina's like reacting to it and Miranda's trying to like walk her through like what they're doing and why, I don't think it was supposed to be funny, but I just, uh, I couldn't help but like kind of smile like at just Christina's reaction and everything because she didn't seem like scared by anything that was going on. It was yeah. more just like, get me the fuck off this table because this is all bullshit. Like it, it was more on like that tone to me. Um, and I didn't yeah. know if they were going for it to like toe the line between almost funny but to me it kind of came off as funny no that's valid i mean i i don't know if i saw it as funny but this is what i'm talking about with the tonal shifts throughout the movie it's like it didn't i i felt like uh the movie didn't really know when it wanted us to be tense and when it didn't because you're right mike there's unintentional comedy in here um well it might not all be unintentional but uh, there are definitely some moments of levity, but yeah, just her her very nonchalant, matter of fact attitude as she's getting explained uh, all the ritual rites that she's going to go through. Yeah, it, it does come off as a little almost parody like. Well, and yeah, and so many of these kind of movies play this kind of play this same, or the story plays out the same way where like the there's like a non-believer and they always get proven like, no, there's something out there that, which is kind of why I appreciated something like St. Maud, where by the end of it, it was like, it almost kind of skewed to the other side, even though you could mm-hmm. kind of make the argument that it's not a hundred percent. It could kind of go either way. Sure. But I felt like from my interpretation, watching St. Maud, it was, it was the other direction where no, it was just delusion um, that she was seen herself mm-hmm. um and to me you get that a lot less in these type of possession movies where this one 
I was kind of holding on to the hope, like I said, of a little bit more ambiguity, at least through the first two acts. But then once, you know, we get our first kind of overwhelming evidence that no, there's actually demons present, then it kind of fell into like the more standard thing, which isn't a bad thing necessarily. It's just, it was just more became like, okay, we know exactly pretty much how this is going to play out from here in a lot of ways. But that was it about that for me, (laughs) about just that specific element of it. Yeah, um, man, where do we go from here? Um, I guess we could talk about the well, I mean, obviously, we haven't really set up the story much. Obviously, you know, we talked about Christina, Christina Flores, or whatever the hell her name is. Um, she's an American, well, she's originally from this village. Uh, she's a transplant to America. She became a reporter, a journalist of some kind, and she's under the guise of, uh, you know, visiting places that are, you know, where man is not supposed to go, blah, blah, blah. Let's go with that. And she go, she hears about this cave called La Boca, which means the mouth in Spanish for anybody who's interested. Um, she hears about this place from her cousin um, who she used to live with, you know, in the same village. And the cousin basically gives her the same warning that, that, that the locals give everyone. Don't go to the cave. You can't go there, blah, blah, blah. Christina, of course, like an idiot, uh, rather than going to the village first, goes directly to the cave, um, you know, does some exploration, uh, takes pictures, blah, 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 and then basically just blacks out. She's just out cold for no reason. Um, it's not really a scene that we even see, honestly. It's something that's kind of uh, explained to us later in the film. Uh, her cousin then finds her in the in the cave, which is a little bit of a reveal, I guess, because um Christina thinks that she's basically going to be killed by these people because they think she's the devil. Um, Little does she know, um, she actually is, uh, as it turns out. She actually is possessed. La Bruja was correct. Uh, She even makes a statement uh, at the beginning of the film where she walks up to her, looks her directly in the eyes, and then looks at the rest of the people in the room and says, yeah, she has it. Uh, You know, the, the demon is in her. We don't see what actually uh, she sees until later in the film. We'll explain that when we get to it. But yeah, so, you know, like I said, the witch is convinced that Christina's uh, possessed. As it turns out, she is possessed. We get a couple of cool little set pieces here and there. Uh, The very first part of the ritual, Christina is kind of covered in blood and very ritualistic markings. Uh, She's kind of chained to the floor and she's basically just told that you will see the demon. If if you are possessed by the demon, you will see him during this part of the exorcism. What ends up happening is two asps, uh, you know, the big black, very venomous snakes, uh, come into the uh, shack that she's kind of in, in the room that she's locked in. They crawl in through the window. They both uh, make advances towards her as far as like, (laughs) that sounds kind of sexual, doesn't it? Um, The snakes both advance on her. Uh, They both climb on top of her. And it seems like just before they're about to strike, um, the male captor, the Bruja's son, as it turns out, uh, comes in, grabs the two snakes, throws them in a bag and, you know, kills them fairly quickly. Then the camera pans over to the wall and we see like a chalk drawing of two snakes. And then the Bruja, the witch, takes her bloody hand and puts a bloody handprint over the two snakes. Uh, I, I think they were using it almost like a check mark because every time they completed a new part of the ritual, 
which was, like I said, drawn in chalk on the uh, the walls all around the room. Uh, the Bruja would take a bloody handprint and almost like a check mark, put it over the ritual that they completed. Um, and then we get other little scenes, you know, where she's she, obviously, you know, she thinks she's hearing things. She thinks there's something in the room with her. You know, we get the very obvious jump scare of a demonic hand reaching out from the darkness, killing a rat um, that's in her room. The rat, the funny thing about that scene, though, is, is that as soon as the, the jump scare occurs, Christina looks down and sees a dead rat in her hand, a bloody dead rat. So it's like they start to kind of put the seeds of potentially something psychological going on here. Like maybe this is all in Christina's head and maybe the goat milk that they're feeding her is actually kind of feeding her hallucination. She even makes the comment at some point in the movie that I don't know what's in my milk. I don't know what's in my food. Lord knows what they could be giving me. Well, this is the part that I was Mm -hmm. actually going to bring up. And the one part that nobody else mentioned, the fact that everything in here was actually drug hallucinations because she's a heroin addict. Yeah, yeah, forgot to mention she is a heroin addict. But I'm saying is that that was that was my whole thing. My whole thing was that they were wrong the entire time. Everything that they're doing is only being exacerbated by her drug hallucinations. Because she snuck the yeah, because she snuck it into her cell when they weren't looking, and she keeps using it every night. Yep. And every night she keeps on having the strange visions, which freaks her out and continues the ritual the next day. So that was my entire thing with that. Everything was just her drug-induced hallucinations, and they're doing this on the wrong person. It was actually someone else in the village, not her. That's a Yeah, very valid. Uh, I didn't really think of that as I'm watching it, but yeah, that's a very valid path. Um, yeah, I, I hadn't really even thought about that. Because obviously, from the guise of the movie viewer, you know, we see things and we're, as the viewer, kind of convinced that this stuff is actually happening, even to the point where they uh, when when they're doing uh, another like a secondary part of the exorcism, um, the Bruja actually jams her hand into Christina's midsection and at one point pulls out like a sack, like a bulbous sack of something um, inside of her body. The Bruja cuts it open and there's teeth inside, teeth with eyes on them, which is really fucking creepy when you think about yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> teeth with little eyeballs on them. Um, and then after pulling out that bulbous sack, uh, they find a snake inside of her body. And they, uh, she basically has her son assist her to try to pull the snake out of her, blah, blah, blah. But the snake ends up uh, wiggling its way back into Christine. Uh, and then the, the point where I because I think at that point I might have been right there with Don where I'm thinking I, because they weren't using any surgical tools. I mean, the Bruja was literally just digging her hand into Christina's midsection. And I'm thinking of my old woman digging her bare hand inside of a person's body like no anesthesia, no nothing. Um, so, yeah, it's funny. The more I think about it now, the more the psychological aspect is kind of supported. I hadn't thought about it. I just watched the film today, so I haven't really had as much time to let it sink in as I usually do. But yeah, no, Don's point is very valid. Yeah, and the the thing that really ticks me off is that that was never really explored. Nobody yeah. ever discovers it. Nobody ever does anything. It doesn't really do much with it. That was my one complaint with the film. Yeah, definitely. Because it's funny, too, because if they would have found the heroin kit, uh, they they could have legitimately made the realization of oh maybe we're wrong and she's just on drugs 
you know, uh, because even the very first night um, they find her passed out in her room and they say, oh, the demon had you. The demon had you. You had an episode last night. And she starts to try to explain to her cousin, no, 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 that was something else. But she can't really come out and say it because, right, like Don yeah. said, she's hiding the kit in her cell. So, yeah, um, an interesting aspect, definitely. They, they don't usually get too much into drug use uh, with these films. Not, I mean, not heavy, like heroin shit. So, yeah. It's funny, too, because Christina does not look like a heroin addict. Like, when she's introduced all through the movie, like at no point am I looking at her like, wow, she looks like a heroin addict. I, I you know, I have the unfortunate uh, distinction of knowing a couple. So, yeah, <laughs> it's funny to, to see this pretty Mexican American girl, you know, perfect, <laughs> flawless skin, but somehow she's a heroin addict. OK, <laughs> so whatever, I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, that's a funny thing, because when they were revealing that, I I questioned at first, I was like, is that what I think it is? Because I was like, she doesn't come off like a heroin addict. And... I thought it was insulin at first. I thought maybe she was diabetic, and that's why she snuck the kit in, because, you know, they would never understand that she's diabetic and she needs her insulin. Yeah, but that, was, yeah that was my first thought, too, was diabetic. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden you see her doing the the thing with the Coke and the, the flame and the um, spoon, and it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's heroin, yeah. Yeah, she injects it in her toe, too. I don't know too many people that inject insulin in their toe, but whatever. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a trick for... Uh, here's here's a little tip for all you budding heroin addicts. Never inject heroin in your arms or legs because it leaves track marks. You can inject it between your toes and no one will see the marks. Haha. <laughs> Venom's tip of the day. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah, that's why she was injecting it in her toes in the cell. Um, but, yeah. Um, I did like that aspect of it, uh, you know, like I said, making Christina kind of a broken psyche. Um, and then later in the film, we actually do get a, a bigger revelation about Christina. Uh, she was actually coming to Veracruz to commit suicide. Uh, she basically had basically had been fed up with her drug addicted life and actually wanted to come to Veracruz and she basically just wanted to take one big last dose of heroin in the cave and just die quietly in the dark. She even says that, you know, I just wanted to sleep forever in darkness, blah, blah, blah. But of course her cousin finds her because her cousin knows that she was uh, kind of planning on coming out. And I'm sure the cousin was probably worried that Christina went to the cave first before going to the village, like she was instructed, but whatever. Um, so, yeah, that was a kind of an interesting I did like that aspect again, uh, once again, I, which makes sense that she can be possessed because they, you know, in a lot of possession movies, they kind of talk about uh, the mental and physical weakness of the person being possessed. It usually makes them more susceptible to demonic possession, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, that that all tracks. I'm very down with that. Um I would like to have seen some kind of withdrawal, though. I've never seen a heroin addict go cold turkey as successfully as Christina did. I guess the secret to quitting heroin is getting possessed. Another tip of the day, folks. <laughs> I Because I, literally, she has no withdrawal whatsoever. Like, like, they show her taking the last dose of the heroin, the last full dose of the heroin. And then they and then we get one scene of her kind of licking the bag and just licking any of the heroin residue that's left in there. And then that's it. We we completely forget about the heroin addiction the rest of the movie. Um, I don't like dangling plot points like that, but, you know, I'll accept it, too. I mean, the human I can't imagine 
just because she's drinking goat milk and eating whatever food they're giving her, that that's like the magic cure for heroin withdrawal. But, you know, it's a minor a minor uh, point that I got to bring up just because it bothered me for a little bit. Um, I don't know. Where do we go from there, gentlemen? We have uh, we have our two minute exorcism. <laughs> Finally, the final the final stage of all the rituals that they're doing is the flat out exorcism where. Um, and what's funny, too, before we actually get into the exorcism, it's kind of funny because the Bruja and her son had a very distinct plan of how they wanted to do the exorcism. But then Miranda, her cousin, decides to give her all of these books and ancient writings and things like that that explain the cave, the demons that live in there, the particular demon that's inside of her. Apparently, the Bruja knew exactly which demon uh, had taken her. And through her research, which, by the way, we get a really we get a really tension breaking montage where she basically is just reading all the materials. She's literally sitting on the cell, sitting in the cell, uh, reading all the things and then kind of preparing herself for the exorcism. And what song do they decide to play to build the tension uh, during this scene? A cover of La Bamba. <laughs> Now, granted, I will admit it was a damn good cover of La Bamba. Like, it was all somber and slowed down. But I don't know how many people, uh, how many, like, English-speaking people that don't know the lyrics to La Bamba will even notice it. But, yeah, the song that's playing while Christina, during the montage, is fucking La Bamba. Yeah, uh, I, re- I remember kind of smirking at that as I picked yeah. I didn't know for the first few notes, and I was like, is that La L- L- Bamba? That seems like an odd choice. Exactly, that's what I mean, a cover, a somber cover of La Bamba while she's preparing for her own exorcism. Uh, this is what I mean, where I, I just, the performance is, it's there sometimes, and then sometimes it's not. Um so anyway, yeah, so we get another tension-breaking, you know, montage with La Bamba playing. Then we go into our exorcism, and, um, oh, uh, the point I was trying to make, I'm sorry, is that uh, the Bruja and her son had a very definitive plan, but then through Christina's studying of the uh, texts and everything that was given to her, she asks the Bruja for a different type of exorcism, Um the exorcism that the Bruja was going to do was just one that exercised the spirit and basically sent the spirit, the demon away. Whereas the one that Christina wanted to do actually manifested the demon into flesh so that they could potentially kill it. They wanted to, you know, actually end this, not just exercise Christina, but actually end this particular demon. Um, they are able, they are successfully able to get the demon to manifest and you know, leave Christina. We get this, you know, cool little um, triumphant moment where the Bruja reaches into the demon, pulls out his still beating heart. Of course, it's all black and nasty. And uh, the demon basically, you know, we have this big, you know, uh, loud scene where the demon just kind of disappears, fades away. And that's it. It's literally like a two to three minute exorcism. And at the end of it, I'm I'm looking around the room thinking, no, nah, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. But then the scene fades up and it's like a happy scene. Uh, Christina leaves the house, the shack for the first time. She goes outside. It, it, it almost seems like they're, you know, setting up a happy ending. Um, and then we see cousin Miranda. And basically earlier in the film, Christina injured Miranda by squeezing her arm a little too tight. 
and actually uh, breaking the skin and, uh, you know, getting it to bleed a little bit. At this point, we see Miranda undo her bandages and the, the wounds haven't healed at all. In fact, they've gotten worse. And she's scratching at them like they're really itchy. And then we see. Um, and then Christina comes into the room and the Miranda suddenly has a total change of heart. We're literally 30 seconds earlier. Miranda was trying to convince Christina to stay. And then literally 30 seconds later, Miranda's like, leave, get out of this village. You don't belong here. And Christina, I'm pretty sure instantly realizes there's something wrong you, you can't have that kind of a you know shift that quickly um she looks deeply into miranda christina looks deeply into miranda's eyes and then says the same thing the bruja said at the beginning oh shit it has you now we we weren't able to actually kill it it just moved from me to you then we get another exorcism <laughs> we end up getting like a quickie ex it, it's not nearly as detailed as the first one because this is christina uh, christina oh i forgot to mention that the bruja dies during christina's uh, exorcism i'm very sorry folks i'm all over the place tonight uh yeah the, uh, the bruja actually dies uh the witch dies during christina's exorcism after she pulls the heart out of the demon and throws it to the ground uh we then see uh the bruja's funeral where she's buried out in the forest or the jungle i guess technically and uh, basically, that leaves only Christina, the son, and Miranda left there. I, there's only like four people in this whole movie. Well, we get a fifth in the third act, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, so, yeah, uh, now Christina is performing a makeshift version of the same exorcism that was done on her in the hopes that she can get uh, the demon out of Miranda. And honestly, I don't remember how that ended. How did she get the demon out of Miranda? I forgot already. Yeah, I'm trying to... I've, ever since you brought it up, I was trying to remember, because I remember the end of Christina's, but I don't remember the end of Miranda's. Um, What does she do? I can't remember either. Because I, I know that after... I know after... The end of it is that they're they're chasing it around the house. But I don't remember how they got it to yeah. where they're seeing it around. Yeah, it's kind of weird. But let's yeah. just say. Oh, somehow. didn't she? Is wait, which one was the one where she ended by pulling what the heart out and and well, Miranda stabbed it? No, that was. Well, we haven't so, gotten that far yet. <laughs> no, wasn't that? No, Bruja killing off of uh, Christina's. No, that's why it failed. They did not stab the heart. They did not kill the heart. Remember, the, the Bruja pulled the heart out. She squeezed mm -hmm. it like she was trying to destroy it. But then she kind of threw it to the ground and the scene ended. And then we see the Bruja dead on the slab, um, you know, about to be buried. So then okay. during the second. So, yeah, you're right. It's it's the, uh, Don is right for the second exorcism. It's the stabbing of the heart. So basically, um, Christina is able to get the heart this time. Uh, the creature manifests once again. He is flesh. We get a great shot of him, you know, kind of human, humanistic looking, uh, you know, very tall, red, if I remember correctly, bald, um, you know, fairly cool creature design. Nothing to write home about, but it didn't look bad either. Uh, and then, yeah, Christina is able to do what the Bruja was unable to do. She's able to get the heart out of the demon, uh, literally just pulls it out of his chest. 
But the, the only difference this time is that when Christina throws the heart down to the ground, Miranda's there with a machete and she stabs the heart. That basically makes the demon kind of go away, or at least we think. Because uh, <laughs> then again, uh, we get an extra little scene, kind of an epitaph. At this point, Christina has accepted her role as the new Bruja. She basically will now be the one handling the exorcisms in the area. And her boss, her editor from whatever newspaper or magazine that she works for, basically shows up in Veracruz looking for her. And guess what? He makes the same stupid mistake Christina did. Didn't go to the village first, went to the cave first. And this dumbass got himself possessed. And this time... When Christina walks into the room and looks at the guy, you know, face to face, this time we actually see what the Bruja is seeing. And basically it's the pupil of the eye kind of shifts to the right a little bit on one of the eyes. We see like the black of the eye kind of shift over a little bit to the right. And then Christina is basically convinced, okay, you now have it. And then the movie ends almost the same way it started, where now it's the editor saying, you're crazy. There's no such thing as demons. Let me out of here. And uh, I, I forget Christina's final little line. But uh, yeah, uh, the movie just kind of fades out there. And that's the old ways 2020. Like I said, not a bad film. It's not a bad film. Objectively, it's not a bad film. But it's just not up to snuff for what I'm looking for in my demonic possession films. I still will give it a mild recommend, but mild is about as good as I'll go. Don seems like he'd probably recommend it a little stronger than I would, but, you know, it's a matter of who you align with more. But like I said, I, I, I'm being picky because this is my subgenre. I absolutely love it. So when if you do decide to watch the film after everything that we've said, realize how picky Mr. Venom is with his demonic possession. Pick oh, I will... <laughs> I will state that uh, if you have the choice between the two, I would rather go Cleansing Hour over this myself. Yeah, Cleansing Hour is just a fun movie. I mean, it's yeah. a, a lot yeah. more fun factor, a lot more intentional comedy. And for whatever it's worth, I actually like the ending. I know some people look at the ending. It's kind of split 50-50. Some people like it. Some people don't. I genuinely loved it. I thought it was really cool. Well, I guess I won't spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it. But yeah. If you haven't seen it and you're interested, just like Don said, yeah, check out The Cleansing yeah. Hour. Slightly better. Both yeah. still well-made thought, movies, honestly. I thought Cleansing Hour did a little more something interesting and new with the format itself, which I always appreciate. Yep, definitely. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, God. Um, talking about some of the line deliveries in this movie, how I was saying that Christina literally will say something like epic and poignant and deliver it beautifully. But then five minutes later, she'll bust out with, I'm the motherfucking Bruja. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I had to sit through that line. And that wasn't only a little cringy for me. I, I yeah, I cringed all the way to my soul. It's like you're, yeah, you're, speaking, you're speaking to a demon who doesn't speak English, first of all. <laughs> he probably speaks Spanish. Um, and just that line, that fucking action hero line. I would have loved if the demon would have just fucking ripped her head off before she even finished that line. That would have made me laugh so fucking hard. <laughs> just the, the, the bravado and hubris of some people. You know, you haven't even completed one exorcism yet and you're acting like you're a fucking superhero. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, but, like that, I said, 
those kind of those kind of lines that kind of get thrown in there is the type of thing where I'm like, shouldn't have like a script editor like looked at those and said, yeah, not yeah. such a great idea. Exactly. But, you know, it also, I guess it was supposed to be a more epic moment because that's, I guess, the moment where Christina is like, okay, I will, you know, volunteer my life since I was coming here to kill myself anyway. And this witch saved me in her final exorcism. I guess I'll take over for her, which I kind of called in the second act, actually. In the second uh, act, I, I literally was like, watch, Christina's going to take over for this woman. It wasn't <laughs> the heroine that saved her? Potentially. Yeah, I can, I can see that. <laughs> oh, man. Wouldn't that be a crazy twist on things? A little bit, yeah. Would have been, yeah. Oh, and some more. I'm sorry, folks. There was one other tonal change uh, that I kind of mentioned briefly in the first half of the show. Um, it's basically when Christina attacks her captor. At this point in the movie, the captor has only spoken to her in Spanish and you know, acts like he doesn't really understand what she's saying. Um, Christina ends up attacking her captor. She ends up getting the upper hand. She gets the keys from him. She's able to get out of her shackles. She then locks up her captor in the shackles, smart girl. And then she tries to leave the cabin. And then that's when we see that there's a salt ring all around uh, the base of the cabin. And when she tries to leave, there's like an invisible force field holding her in. I did want to point that out because I thought that was cool because at this point in the movie, Christina's not really showing any signs of being possessed, but then she can't get out of the cabin. And I think at that moment she kind of realizes, Oh shit, this is real. And, and then literally as soon as the witch walks in, uh, the captor walks in after being stabbed multiple times with a syringe and then choked out with a chain. And he comes in and just sits at the table next to Christina as Christina hands him a glass of milk. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, well, I think that was at that point, she may have been resigned to the fact that, OK, maybe they were right. Maybe I need their oh, to get rid of this, because why would I not be able to leave? That's absolutely valid. But. The point is, I won't forget the way you treated me. I won't forget the fact that you forced goat's milk down my fucking throat the first night I was there. I won't forget the fact that you watched me pee in a bucket every morning. No, 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 no. I, I don't give a shit if they're, if they're there for my benefit, then fucking treat me better. Don't treat me like I'm some piece of shit, um, whatever, random possessed person, and then claim, oh, we're doing it for your benefit. Well, put me in a fucking bedroom then. Don't put me on a cot in a fucking cell. I don't know. It's it just some of the choices that were made here. And like I said, some of the tonal shifts just really didn't work for me. Um, <laughs> despite the fact that I did mildly enjoy this movie, it just it has too many issues for me to really, you know, consider it an upper level uh, demonic possession movie. Still pretty, though, <laughs> for whatever that's worth. <laughs> Yeah, still pretty in the end. And then because of some of the tonal changes, I thought that it affected the pacing a little bit because that scene where Christina attacks her captor, it's a very tense scene. I'll, I'll fully admit it's fairly tense. Uh, but then the tension is broken instantly, like when the witch walks in. And like I said, 30 seconds later, she's being friendly with her captor, which, eh. I still have, you know, Christina doesn't come off as ultra American to me. Now, I will fully admit she was born in this village 
And they show her in the village until what? She's like four, five, six years old, maybe somewhere in that range. And then she goes to America. But I don't know. I feel I feel like an American, someone who's been an American that long would probably be a little more entitled (laughs) and a little bit more pissy about their captivity. That's all. It's just me. It's just the way I think, I guess. I will admit I'm a petty, vindictive asshole sometimes. But yeah. I, I just the whole I'm I'm yelling at Christine like what the fuck why are you being nice to these people now I don't I don't care that it's for your benefit they treated you like shit you lost an eye for God's sakes <laughs> you know fuck you I forgot to mention she did lose one of her eyes yeah she did I mean it was kind of like the slow physical transformation into the bruja yeah because the bruja was missing an eye too I think yeah, they were implying that, that's how she was able to see the demon. Cause, cause yeah, that was at her with that eye, with the bad eye. Well, what we thought was the bad eye. <laughs> mm-hmm. so. Yeah, basically, like it's, well, it's the same eye on both, isn't it? It's the yeah, right same eye on both of them. Yep, exactly. I think so. So yeah. I think that's what they're implying. Like it's it's use goes away for like what we would use it for, but now it's like a mystical ability exactly. eye. Yep, becomes like the third eye or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I could see that. Like I said, there's a lot of positive things in this film. There really are. I don't want to make it sound like I'm shitting all over it. I'm really not. I'm just being nitpicky. Um, it's still an average to above average demonic possession film. And hey, it's on Netflix, so why not watch it? It's a solid hour and a half. Yeah, what do you got to lose? <laughs> Yeah, agree with that. I would yeah. say check it out. Ninety minutes of your time is not too much, uh, regardless of how, you know, the range of our opinions on here. I think um, it, yeah. there's still many many elements of it that are enjoyable. Oh yeah, I fully admit that most people are going to enjoy it more than me. I fully admit that. So yeah, by all means, check it out. All ah. right. Awesome. Well, yeah. That might be it for the ways of this episode. So we <laughs> should let everyone know where else we can be heard. So Venom, starting with you, what do you got out for people to listen to? Well, we uh, first and foremost, we have a new episode of the main show, No More Hell. Uh, it's episode number 36. We have it recorded. Uh, we're just... Uh, waiting on Mike to edit and turn it in, so it should be ready eh, sometime this week, I would imagine. I would imagine as you're listening to this episode, the the new uh, main show is probably available. So that is episode 36. We look at a couple of movies from my year of birth. So, of course, they're going to be ancient films. Luckily, they're not black and white, so that's good. But, yeah, we're looking at uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis's The Wizard of Gore and The Dunwich Horror, uh, which actually was a first-time watch for both Mike and myself. So that was a good conversation. Really fun show. Uh, We also had Dubby Doubles uh, from Cinema Attack as a guest. So... And he did a great job, too. So check that out when it is available on the Dark Discussions Podcast Network. On It's Not Horror OK, we uh, our latest episode is the Miami Connection episode. Oh, excuse me. No, it's not Miami Connection. It's actually Too Fast, Too Curious. Yes. Too Fast by Curious. Yeah, it was. Uh, ooh, that was an experience, folks. I had never seen that movie before. And uh, Wow. I, I have never seen men, so many hunky, good-looking men having longing stares at each other. 
I mean, if this movie wasn't meant to be gay, then I, just, I don't know movies, apparently. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so check that out. Our commentary for Too Fast, Too Furious on It's Not Horror Okay, also available on the Dark Discussions Podcast Network. And a show that we announced yesterday for the first time, and since we're here with Mr. Don and Nelly, I'll go ahead and make the second announcement here on Fresh Cuts, that we are expanding the No More Room in Hell brand. We have yet another sidecast coming out. This next one uh, will feature myself, uh, Mr. Derek B. from the main show, and Mr. Don and Nelly right here from Fresh Cuts. And we are all giant fans of creature features, so we decided to put together a creature feature podcast. And that show will be called No More Room in Hell Presents Creature Comforts. Uh, Look for episode one sometime maybe in early October. We will be recording it in the next week or two. Uh, And then once we get that edited and out the door, you'll be able to find it right here on the No More Room in Hell feed. All of our sidecasts will be available on the same feed. Once again, darkdiscussions.com or net. I forget what our actual address is. It's it's one of those. Um, And I think that's it for me, Mike. Okay, Don, you got anything? Um, well, other than the announcement that Venom made, um, I will say that there is a there is a uh, potential guest spot in the cards for me. Um, I was actually talking to uh, the host about appearing on the show earlier today, but uh, we don't have a uh, recording date uh, confirmed yet, so I can't say much. But uh, yeah, um, probably by next week I'll have uh, more confirm details at that point but for now um, yeah the uh, Creature Comfort Show which uh, should be recording within a week or by a week from today or where thereabouts Um, yeah yeah, close enough uh, ish I would say (laughs) but uh, yeah the uh, upcoming guest show um, which like I said I'll have uh, probably more details uh, next recording nice cool um, as far as I go, pretty much what Venom said, uh, the new episode, No More Room in Hell 36, should probably be out a day or two after you're listening to this episode. Um, just got to get it edited and ready to uh, upload. And then the only other thing I got coming up, um, besides you know our normal stuff, is the Summer Series Roundtable, which is recording this coming up weekend. Venom, you're on the same panel as me, correct? Yes, sir. We will be both on the West Coast episode. Yeah, so got that looking forward. Um, have you turned in your uh, top 30 yet? I have not. I have one more rewatch to complete because I haven't watched the movie in like six years. So I want to make sure I'm putting it in the right spot on my list. And then that's it. So I'll probably get that watched uh, tomorrow and I'll probably have my list in tomorrow night too. Same with me. I, so what I started doing, I started to do the rankings. I like pretty much, I have like my, top six or seven ranked but i kind of stopped there because the movie i need to rewatch. i don't think it's gonna get ahead of the six Mm -hmm. or seven i've already ranked but i'm thinking it's like getting close to where i might put it so i didn't want to keep ranking and then have to like go edit everything under it after so basically one movie to watch and then i'll 
finish off my rankings, but uh, man, it's been a hell of a time prepping. <laughs> yeah, me. this was like a what a four month adventure at this point, maybe five month. I think what we started in either March or April. So yeah, this has been uh, this is my first year being an actual host on the show. So I, I, I was the adjudicator uh, for the last couple of years, but yeah, man, a lot of work. I mean, what something in the neighborhood of like 25 movie watches to start mm. and then what, another 27 to actually finish the series. So yeah, that's a lot of movie watches we did over the last few months. Uh, so, and I just got one more left, so that'll be good. Yeah, I was only ever people's counsel up to this year, and then this year I ended up being adjudicator and a host. Um, yeah, yeah so, you got lucky. Somebody dropped out. <laughs> yeah, I ran the triple crown so far okay. <laughs> for being in all three roles. Um, but yeah, that's all. Oh, I, I did adjudicator for up. one year, and they I was so bad they kicked me out. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I did nothing as an adjudicator. Literally, both. Oh, I, I, I was. On I the, I was on the 90s show and I I switched to films around like crazy. Ah, that's well, that's the whole point. Shit. I know, but I switched out personal favorites for schlock. Ah, I'll have to I'll have to go back and revisit those episodes. But yeah, I yeah. mean the way it I see it, well, I, I'm saying I I switched. I wanted. I was um, advocating switching out Jacob's Ladder for Maniac Cop Two. <laughs> I mean, the way I see it is you don't design it to give the adjudicator that kind of power unless you're fully prepared for them to do that. Especially so, this, I mean, this year, the adjudicators have more power than ever, because in years past, uh, people could outvote the adjudicator. This year, if the adjudicator makes a switch, it's done, period. That's it. No arguing, no nothing. And I, that, that's almost I mean, that almost gives the adjudicator more power than the hosts, I sometimes feel. So, eh, what are you going to do? There was yeah, one switch I'm, that was made that I'm not very happy with, but I don't believe that episode is out yet, so I'll keep it under my hat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, um, the switch that you made, Mike, I'm actually very okay with. Very, very okay with. As much as I love the first movie that was in the top three, yeah, the one that you swapped out is almost a masterpiece. So Yeah, it was it was a close call because... All things considered, when I saw what the top three were on paper, mm-hmm. I really didn't have that much of an issue. Like, definitely the top two were probably my top two anyway. Yeah. Um, so when it came to the number three, I was like, I could justify keeping it or I could justify swapping it for what I did. Mm-hmm. So That's I what I mean. Either, either okay decision, either I think you were right. Yeah. yeah, that was one of those years where I almost like, there's almost too many four or five i could have justified you exactly. know being somewhere in that list um and to me the wild the wild card was really the fact that saint mod got counted as a 2019 because yeah, i wasn't bit. prepared but you guys took care of that issue anyway by how things were <laughs> so like i didn't really that really didn't factor in anyway there you go <laughs> um yeah and then as far as fresh cuts our next episode Probably no surprise to anyone who kind of keeps up with the releases. Malignant is releasing this coming up Friday. We get uh, a simultaneous release, theaters and HBO Max. So um, I'll watch it in the theater pre- once, and then I'll watch it at home once. Yeah. I mean, if anything, this upcoming episode should be one where um, the people that 
don't get out to the theater as much, might still actually be able to listen to the episode relatively soon because it's getting an HBO, HBO Max, Max release too. Yep. Mm-hmm. So cool. So that's going to be our next episode. But uh, with that said, we're going to wrap it up here. Thanks everybody for listening. We will catch you in a week's time. With that, Don Benham say peace to the listeners. Adios amigos. Vaya con el diablo. Later. Oh